Good morning. Um, that, that last two minutes does not count to my time, okay? Just, no. So this morning, uh, I, I just want to make sure everybody sits because if you guys decided to leave, then I know why. So I'm going to talk about giving this morning. So please don't run out. It's not because you, if you've been giving, which is great, but you, if you haven't been giving, this is not toy. It's not meant for you. It's just a, a topic that um, I, I believe it needs to be talked about. Uh, it probably needs to be talked about often because giving, um, actually, I'm going to talk more on the topic of grace than actually giving because I feel that if, if we understand God's grace, giving becomes a response, a response of gratitude as we understand the grace of God and what we have from him and through, through him. So just, just know this is for everyone. It's, um, it's not meant just for us. So, so don't get down or don't get all puffed up because you've been giving or you have not been giving. It's not meant to be. It's, it's good for all of us to know. Uh, and I, I think I, I get together with pastors in the areas around um, this neighborhood, and a lot of them um, share with me that they feel a little bit guilty in talking about giving because uh, the general mentality too is if you preach on giving is because you want me to give you your money. But that's not it. That's not the reason why. But on the other hand, I'm sure you've probably seen it on TV where people will talk about giving all the time from the standpoint of using the prosperity theology, which I believe both are incorrect. So biblical giving is something that should be well understood by all of us, just as much as why we worship, right? Why do you come to church? Why do we belong to a local church family? Why do, how do we get eternal life and giving? Those things should, all, should be understood by all of us as followers of Jesus, so we can share with people, we can talk with people, so then, because the, the perception outside of the church, which I spent 33 years as someone's outside church, but perception is the preacher is trying to get everyone else to pay him money so he can go and buy a house, and buy a nice car, and cars and houses, but that's not it. It's a biblical giving, so anyway, uh, I just want to say that to, to, to let you know it's not because we need money. It's not at all. It's something that we all should know and understand about giving. The biblical concept, because uh, giving in terms of money, is the second most referenced topic in the Bible. You may or may not know that. There are over 2,300 2, references when it comes to money and possession. It is, important for, it is an important topic for for us to know as when you compare it to uh, how many verses that are about faith and prayer. I think there's about 500 verses about faith and prayer. So 500 on faith and prayer, versus, which is really important for us to know, there's 2,300 verses on money and possession. I believe it is referenced so much because God knows how much influence it would have over our lives. God wants to remind us that money he talks about it a lot. But he wants to remind us that money is one of the many resources that we have for living. Not a source of living, but one of the many resources for living. So this sermon is just as much for me as it is for everyone else. So I just want you guys to know that. Uh, we're doing really well, by the way, financially. I just want to throw that out to you guys. We don't need anything. Uh, we're not in desperate need. We, we're not running low on paying rent. I just want to make sure I say that just so you guys know. So that's not why I'm having this sermon. Uh, but anyway, uh, I want to say that I, I believe that in order for us to truly, truly understand what giving is, we must first understand the concept of grace, especially God's grace, the grace of God. A verse that I come back to often when things are tough or when I don't know how to overcome obstacles or challenges in front of of my life from the standpoint, whether for me personally or professionally, um, I work full-time, for those of you who don't know, professionally or just over our families and how the parents, my kids, is from Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to be the obedience that comes from faith 
for his name's sake. But what he, I just want to emphasize the first half of that was through him, which is through Jesus, we received grace and apostleship. So Paul is saying through Jesus, he received grace first and his calling. So for us, we need to view it in the same way from Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Through Jesus, we receive grace first and foremost and the calling to know what, is, what we are called to do so we can have a purpose for our life, so we can have a vision for our life. So we need his grace so we can overcome the obstacles to walk into the calling that God has for us. So understanding the grace of God is the overarching umbrella, if I can say, in our understanding of who God is, who we are in God, right? How we are relating to God, um, how we are drawing from him. As I said, God's grace be the source of our lives. Don't let money be the source of our life. It is a resource, but God is the source of our life. So when we understand God's grace, we, which leads us to know how we are to live, right? To live with a purpose, with a calling, how we are to behave, how we are to act. In terms of, you probably have heard the term season with grace. You have the strength to persevere, the wisdom to navigate the many changing and complex situations around us. We need God's grace because there isn't a handbook on how to approach things. You know, for those who uh, have a few years, if I can say a few years, maybe for those who are older than 60, 65, you realize that there are many situations that will come up that you don't know how to respond to. So you need God's grace in order to respond to that, to overcome that, to, to get through the challenges that we have. Uh, because there isn't a dummy, there isn't a book for, what, what's the term? The book for dummy on how to live. There isn't one of those. So if there is one, don't read it because it's no good. I can tell you that. I'm only 48, but I can tell you that there isn't such a book. Well, there's a book, the book for the Bible, which you give us instruction for everything else. And we need God to lead us and to guide us. But I know I'm going off track. So let's get back to the grace of God. So first we need to understand it so we can receive it. And as we receive it, understand what it is, then we can extend grace to others around us because we cannot give something that we don't understand that we don't have, right? I know it's a simple concept, but we can talk about grace, but if we don't have it and don't understand it, we cannot extend it to others or ex explain what it means to others. So, so having grace is not only about extending grace to others. We need it. We need God's grace because the grace of God and through our faith in Jesus, that's how we pray. Pray with faith because God's grace and his mercy is on our lives. So we can sing and we can worship because we're understanding God's grace. The more we understand his grace and his love and his mercy for us, if I can say this, and hopefully it's not offensive to, one, to anyone, the more we can understand God's grace, the more that we will want to worship him, the more that we want to sing to him and live for him, just like what came through this morning, and, and the more that we can live with the joy a supernatural joy that you cannot be found by a bigger house or nicer cars or what have you. It's a supernatural joy. So it's important for us to catch it and understand it before we can explain it to others because it will allow us to live. And also the more we understand God's grace in Christ. This is the verse that I remember all the time. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Remember that. Say that to yourself. I say that to myself a lot. When we were in Mexico last week, um, uh, I think for those of you who were here, we, we shared that I, I was able to pray for salvation for a, a guy named Jesus. He accepted Jesus. That was awesome, right? But for me, what I felt was what, what would come after. It's important what come after because you can accept Jesus, but you can be pulled away very quickly. So I kept telling him to repeat this. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So when you're in doubt, when you are worried, when you have lies and things are attacking you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I want to encourage that to you guys also is to, there's a hope that we have. So when we, 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 we're facing obstacles that we don't know what to do and, and you have lies in our head and people are trying to say that you don't know this, you are too small, you're too weak, you, you're not able, Christ in me. Say that to yourself, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. So, just so you know, I use that from the Bible. I didn't make that up. 
So let's talk about what is the grace of God. I feel like I'm talking very quickly. Am I? I have so much I want to say. Uh, say it. Just say it. Just on the topic of grace, just so you guys know, we can talk for probably a whole month on the topic of grace. There's just so much on what is the grace of God. And the reason for that is perhaps you may have heard people praying for you, like, well, God's grace on you, or you have heard that uh, people have prayed for others. Oh, I pray for God's grace on you, on your life, on your job. What is it? What does it mean? Right? Have more grace for people. What does it mean? You know, when you hear that term, oh, someone is yelling and screaming. Well, have grace for them. What does it mean? Because as someone who uh, I, uh, for some of you have known, before I was a Christian, when people would say that, I was like, what does it mean? Have grace for people. Why don't you just say have patience for them? Why don't we, but grace is such an all-encompassing term that we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, should have a better grasp on it, a better handle for it. So let's talk about what it means. Uh, some people have referred to grace as an undeserved mercy. As in, getting what you don't deserve. So an example of that is, for example, we have a few Moody students here. So what if someone would come up to you guys and say, Right now, you have a bachelor degree at Moody. That's it. You don't need to go to classes anymore. You only need to attend classes for three months. You de- now you get a Moody. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right, there you go. See, that's what, that's what it means, getting what you don't deserve. So that's what it means. But also, grace also means not getting what you deserve. So let's say, let's use the Moody students again. You guys were all excited. Let's bring you down a little. You're, you're all up in the air. You're going to come back and tell your professor, just for the grace of God, give me my degree right now. So, for example, if you accidentally burn down the building at Moody, and it's spread throughout the whole campus, and the whole campus is burned down, but you will not get punished for it. So that's what it means to not getting what you deserve to get. So just a quick, quick, very brief version of it. So as we're saved by God's grace, so that's what it meant is we're not getting what we deserve. Because we don't deserve eternal life, but because of Jesus, because of God's grace, we have salvation. We have eternal life. However, it is so much more than that. Uh, I'm going to try to really talk briefly on the topic of God's grace and why we need it in our everyday life. Firstly, we need to understand grace because it is an essential part of who God is. God's grace, his love for us. Just as God is love. The grace of God is something that uh, if I can use an example. So Jesus dying on the cross for us is what grace looks like in action. Someone did something for us because we didn't deserve it. Because someone loved us so much. Even though we don't deserve it, we don't want it, or we don't even know about it. But someone did something for us anyway. So that's what grace looked like. It's what Jesus dying on the cross for us. That's what it looks like in action. At the same time, understanding the grace of God is something we all need desperately. Like desperately in all areas of our lives. And it's something that we need to grow continuously. So please don't ever get to the point where you say, well, I know enough about God. I know enough about God's grace. I have enough revelation of who Jesus is. I know I'm really young. I know I'm younger than some of the people here, but please, please do not say that because we will never, ever get to that point. It's not because I know better. It's just because you see that in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's something that we always need to grow into. So some of the things I want to talk about, some of the basis of how understanding God's grace will impact and help our lives, help us to uh, live a life that is worthy of being called a follower of Jesus Christ. So number one is by the grace of God, we know who we are in terms of identity. Right? First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. We're not defined by anyone else's standard anymore. We used to be, uh, use me as example, I used to be Hugh, the insurance guy. But now, my identity is in Jesus. What I do is just my job. I am the son of God. 
I belong in the kingdom of God. So by the grace of God, we have a new identity. We have been brought into a new place. We're now a new people, a new identity. So you can call me Vanessa's husband, but I call myself, I'm a son of God. So by the grace of God, we have a new identity that we can live on. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind as we approach our day to know that we belong in the kingdom of God. We're sons and daughters of the almighty God. It's something that I need to remind myself every day also when I'm commuting uh, on the train, just like everyone else, when, I'm going to when, when you guys go to classes, keep that in mind. There's a new identity, and through God's grace, we have a new identity now. And also through God's grace, we can stand before him. It's from Romans chapter 5, verse 2. We can stand before him face to face because of Jesus. We've been because of Jesus, not because of who we are, but because of God's grace, Jesus died on the cross for us. We received him, accepted him. Now we can stand before our Heavenly Father face to face. Our behavior through God's grace will help us to behave differently. Because by the grace of God, our conduct, how we act toward other people, because other people will most likely talk badly about us, right? assume bad things about us, call us names. We can probably assume that because I used to call Christians lots of names in my past life. So it's safe to make that assumption. But because the grace of God, we can forgive them. If we have that in us, allow us to behave differently toward them. Instead of resentment and anger and bitterness and be offended, we can love them because God loved us. So we can, it will help us to behave differently than what we used to be or behave like those people outside of the church. Um, the grace of God will allow us to live differently, to change our lifestyle. Now we know that we are righteous through Jesus. Not self-righteous. Not righteous because I didn't have an affair. Not righteous because my kids are safe. I'm not righteous because I have a job. None of those things. I'm righteous because of God's grace, which is through Jesus. That's how we're righteous. So we can live with a, with, a, with a mentality of we're righteous. No guilt, no shame, no doubts about who you are. We can live a lifestyle of righteousness through Jesus, always through Jesus, because of God's grace. So if we receive God's grace, we, can be, we know that we're righteous through Jesus. Which also we can live, there's a holiness because God called us to be holy, Right? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. So knowing that we're holy because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, so we can accomplish his purpose, not our purpose, his purpose. So it goes back to uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Through him, through Jesus, we receive grace and apostleship. So grace and the calling to know what we, he has called us to do. So that's why I said his purpose, not our purpose. We will naturally have a tendency to be, if, if I can be honest, self-sufficient, self-preservation, and just self-emotion. But if we receive God's grace, what we're going to do is going to be for the purpose of the kingdom, for the purpose of exalting Jesus, making sure that Jesus comes through in how we talk, how we be, behave, right, and how we live our lifestyle because of who God is. God's grace. That's what we need. So we know that we're holy because of him. So that changed our mindset, right? That changed how we, how we think and how we do things and when we try to, whether we try to do some naughty things under the table, if no one get caught. But that changed our mindset as we receive God's grace and we, we will realize that we have to live for him now. No longer for our own selfish needs. This is to myself too, so please know that. I need to tell myself this every day. And Vanessa reminds me every day also. Uh, um, receiving and understanding God's grace will give us a strengthful living. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it said, it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. We need to be continuously strengthened by grace. Just that in the verse in Peter about growing the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to be strengthened in our grace, uh, the grace of God. So then, uh, also in Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 9, so then we will not be influenced or affected by things not from God. If I can be honest with you guys, 
we, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, I am influenced all the time by what's going on around me, by my workplace, by my coworkers, by the trends, you know, by what you see on Instagram, what you see on Facebook, uh, what I see in this neighborhood. But we need to come back to God, to Jesus, receive his grace and realize that we belong in the kingdom of God now. We're no longer influenced or affected. We should no longer be influenced or affected by what's going on around us. Receive God's grace, understanding that through our faith in Jesus, we're, we're, okay, I'm, I'm not going to say that, sorry. I think it might be a little bit offensive. But I'm just, so then through our faith in Jesus, we can live a life that's different. That's different. That's why it's okay to be different. It's okay to be different. It's okay to stand out. It's okay to stand up for what's right. It's okay to say, no, God exists. He is real. Even though when everyone else disagrees, everywhere you turn on the news, God doesn't exist, right? Believe in science, whatever that is. Hate has no home here, whatever that is. Okay, sorry. I'll delete that from the recording. Um, the next thing is, uh, as we receive God's grace and understand God's grace, it helps us to serve one another. To come and serve, not to be served. Right? Because we follow the example of Jesus. Jesus came, what? To serve, not to be served. Right? So instead of us showing up to church on Sundays, like, what's in it for me? Are you guys singing for me? Uh, turn the music up, turn the music down. This coffee is too weak. This coffee is too strong. Uh, I need more cushion on the chair. Having God's grace, we will come with a different mentality. Like, oh, you guys don't have breakfast? Where's the omelet? Why don't you guys have some omelet? I mean, I would like some omelets too. But we come to serve because when we give, there's so, we get so much more in return. Like what we get in return is not like condition. We get so much more in return when we serve from the understanding of God's grace. That we want to serve. Uh, just as an example, like... Um, Last week, Toby and I went to Mexico on a um, mission trip, and we talked about this. We gave from the standpoint, like, took time out from our work, vacation days. We have a limited number of vacation days. And we had to go spend our own money. But what we got back was so much, was so much more in terms of so impactful, so lasting, because God's doing so much work through us, even though we were, quote, unquote, giving by giving our time, by going to the mission trip. But God gave us so much more in terms of seeing how he's impacting other people through us in other nations. Allow us to see how, even though we take things for granted here, but in Mexico, salvation trumps everything. We try to go and give them medical care, which is great, it's practical, but it's just a consolation prize when we can actually bring someone to salvation, right? Would you have eternal life or would you have uh, high blood pressure pills? What would you have? Seriously, what would you like to have? Eternal life or just have medication for high blood pressure? So anyway, uh, I, I'm going off course again. All right, let's get back to this grace. So having the grace of God and understanding what it is will help us to find our sufficiency, that we're sufficient. God's grace, through his grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Can we say that is all we need? Can we say that? Until we can actually say that, we don't fully understand God's grace. Your grace is sufficient for me. You know, I say this from the standpoint that, yeah, we, we have struggles, we have lost things, we've gone through difficult things, but for us to be able to say, your grace is sufficient for me, is to fully understanding God's grace for us and what he has done on the cross for us and what we have now through our faith in Jesus. Um, our speech, you know, I kind of alluded to this. You know, our speech always be gracious. So then we will not be filled with frustrations and anger. Just because someone um, is angry at you, we don't need to return in kind. We, because of God's grace, because we're understanding who we are in Jesus, we can be gracious in our speech and how we reply and respond to them. Instead of when they call us name, they say, let me pray for you. Try that sometimes. It really catch people off guard because they're not going to know what to say. So try that. But at the same time, we are able to do that because we have God's grace instead of going back and forth on a yelling match. 
which may be kind of fun, but not in the long run, just so you guys know. And lastly, it's just um, our hope. We know that there's a hope beyond this life. We have more because our, when our physical body dies, I know for those of you guys who are young, you don't feel like you're going to die anytime soon because it sounds a little bit morbid, but eventually, eventually, we will die. But there's a hope. Christ in me, the hope of glory. There's eternal life. Eventually, we live forever, right? Through Jesus, we have eternal life. That's what it means, right? Eternal, unending, forever, infinity. Maybe I can use like the Marvel Comics term you guys will understand. Infinity, the infinity stone. I have kids, so excuse me if you guys don't get it. So forever, eternal life. We have the hope in him, hope in Jesus. It's forever. So when we understand God's grace and we receive Jesus, it's for an eternity, like forever. Not for our lifetime, but that would change the tra trajectory for other generations to come. If we share with them about God's grace for our families, for like my, my kids and their kids and the generation that come after that. Uh, I know we have Jake's grandparents here, but because they know Jesus, it came down the line. It came down the line, right, to Jake. Now Jake and Kristen are married, and eventually, hopefully when they have kids, it will keep on going down the line so that the there's a new direction for the generation that come after that. I tell my kids this all the time. I didn't come to know Jesus until I was 33, but they already accepted Jesus when they were four. So there's an incredible possibility for them of understanding God's grace. So that's what I mean when there's a hope, not only for us, but there's a hope for the generation to come. We can speak hope and life and purpose and vision to our kids and our children instead of letting them be affected by what they see on TV. Um, so anyway, I want to move on. I still have a lot more to go here. So uh, you guys may be done, but I have a lot more to go. All right, so uh, as I said, grace is the basis for everything that we, uh, that we are now if we know Jesus. And remember, it's through Jesus. So, as in, so when we receive Jesus into our heart, we receive the grace of God. As we receive God's grace through Jesus, we have been made new. So going back to what I was saying earlier, new identity, right? our source of strength. Money is no longer our source. It's just a resource. Our source is now Jesus. It's God. We're now sons and daughters through Jesus. Tell ourselves that. Even though we may not look like it, we may not dress like it, but we're sons and daughters of the Almighty God in the kingdom of God. We're sons and daughters of the creator of the universe, the creator of time itself. That's, please take a second to think about that. It's pretty amazing. That's who we are through Jesus. It, it is all because of God's grace. We have these new things through our faith in Jesus. So understanding mercy, even a glimpse of God's mercy on our own lives, understanding God's grace, we will be able to live with mercy for those around us, with forgiveness for those around us, to have grace for those around us, it is important because we need that to flow through us into those around us so they can experience the goodness of who God is. So when they hear about forgiveness, they will not get to experience it until we forgive them. And man, that's how God is touching them through us. That's what it means to allow God's grace to flow through us. Okay, so now maybe we can start talking about giving. Are you guys ready? You guys are ready. So um, uh, I'm not going to have time to go through all this this morning, but I want to encourage you guys to go home and read, if you have not, it's from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. So this is when Paul was writing to the Corinthians church about um, collection for, for the Lord's people. Um, just within Corinthians chapter 8, uh, just within that one chapter, there's so many mention of God's grace. God's grace needs to come through in how we do everything. Like I said earlier, in how we worship, how we live, how we behave, finding our sufficiencies, finding our identity, but also God's grace coming through in our giving. Um, and giving from the standpoint that, thank you, Jesus. We are so thankful for you. Then giving becomes a gratitude, a response of gratitude for who God is 
and what he has been providing for us, and what he has provided for us. So even um, grace within, um, like I said, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that we talked about God's grace in the spiritual endowment in verse 7, divine enablement uh, in uh, verse uh, 1, and chapter 9, verse 8 and 14, uh, I think I may have it back here, a monetary gift, human privilege, word of gratitude. God's grace is always, always coming through in everything, uh, in divine favor, a goodwill. So having kind of gone through very, I know it's very, very briefly of what is grace, what is God's grace, Let's talk. That will give us a basis to talk about giving, right? Because giving is not about you giving money to someone else. The term giving now is much different, right? Because God is providing for us. Through his grace, we have our, find our sufficiency, our identity, that he provided our job for us. He provided us with our spouse, our friends, our children. So money is just one of the many resources that God has provided for us. So it's no longer about this is what I worked hard for, so it is mine. I'm not giving it to anybody. I have so many things in here, and I, I'm trying to be aware of the time, so I'm trying to cut things down, so please stay with me. All right, so I just want to highlight one verse this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's from uh, verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So as I said earlier, giving is something that we need to know and understand fully. Right? So going back to the grace that we have received from God, understanding what he gave up for us and what we have in him and through him. So giving of what we didn't really have in the first place is really nothing, right, in, in relation to what he gave to us. God's grace for us brought us eternal life, gave us everything else that we have. So, quote, unquote, giving back to what God already given us is not really us giving anything because God gave us so much. He sacrificed so much for us. We know that, right? In, uh, in verse 9 in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, it's like, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, may become rich. So God came, came down and, be, and took on human form, so we can become rich, so we can belong in the kingdom of God, so we can be sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. That's just an example of us, right? Another verse that is well known by everyone, even if you don't know Jesus, for God, it's from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He so loved us that he gave us. If I can use this term. God and Jesus. The Father and Jesus has always been together. Even before creation. But for one moment. For us. God, our Father pulled out his wrath on Jesus. For us. So that's what it meant, like God became poor, so we can become rich. That's what it means. So God so loved us so much that he gave everything, everyone that was near and dear to him for us. So when we talk about the tenth of what we make, so if, you, if it helps you to make the comparison between God gave us everything versus we giving a tenth, it's really no comparison, right? Um, and God loved us so much. We know that's from Jeremiah 31 verse 3 is, I will love you with an everlasting love. I will draw you with an unfailing kindness. That is how much he loves us. That's God's grace for us. So if we fully understand how much he loves us and what he gave for us, everything that we will give back, even if we tie 100% of our salary, it still doesn't match up or deserve to what he gave to us. So that's just an example, right? What he gave, he gave so much. He gave everything wholeheartedly. He didn't hold back at all. He didn't just say, well, I will send Jesus to die on the cross just for the five of you, the other 95. You guys are way too naughty, way too naughty. No. He gave everything for everyone, for all of us. We may not 
see it or understand it or fully understand the implication. I don't think we will ever fully understand the implication of that until we meet with God face to face in heaven, which that's what I'm going to ask God. Like, God, how could you do something like that? I just want to know because I can tell you, maybe I'm being too honest, I don't know if I can do something like that. But that's the difference between God and us. Can I say that? Am I being too vulnerable right now? Maybe I'm just the only guy here. Um, so, so that's an example for us to try to follow, follow God. So as we, through the grace of God, I said this already. He, so he gave up his one and only begotten son. He can pour out his love on us. So as we accept Jesus, we can receive his love, his everlasting love. And we can understand his unconditional love for us. So giving is no longer a task or a duty or a conditional thing. Because when you love someone, you would do anything for that person. So giving, when we understand God's love, giving becomes a response of gratitude, as I said. Otherwise, giving would be a requirement, right? Which is not. A requirement would be like, a fee or a tax, right? A fee is you need to pay $50,000 in order to get to heaven. Is that funny? No. All right. That's a little bit sobering, right? Uh, or a tax. It would be much easier, if I can say. It would be much easier to tax every Christian than to apply the concept of grace, right? For, for, for example, with taxes, you kind of know what you have to pay, right? For taxes, you can try to avoid paying taxes, you can try to cheat taxes. You can try not to pay taxes. But when you're caught, there will be consequences. But God doesn't want to put a tax on why we're saved. He doesn't want to put a provision on what he wants to bless us because he loves us so much. He loves us with an everlasting love. Remember that. Otherwise, it would not be an unmerited grace, right? Otherwise, the rich people would have enough money to pay for their salvation. Poor people would not. If there was a tax or a fee on it, then there's a conditional provision, the provision that we get from God. Because as you can see, some very bad people are very wealthy. Some very good people are not. But that's not the point. We all can receive salvation through Jesus because of God's grace. Because that's who he is. He gives freely. He gives unconditionally. He loves unconditionally. Remember, he didn't just send his son into the world to, to be condemned, but to save the world, right? John 3.17. It's a verse. John 3.16, everybody knows, but a lot of people forget about John 3.17. So then we can be saved, not to be condemned. So don't ever feel condemned through Jesus. So briefly, just about giving. Tithe. There's actually, there are four different ways of giving, for those of you who may or may not know this. So tithes mean, I think most people know this, is giving a tenth. Giving a tenth of what you have is just to say thank you. Going back to what I've been saying earlier. So thank you, God. And it's a way for us to show. You know, just like how we believe in our hearts and proclaim with our mouth, it's a way for us to show God. Like, I trust in you, God. I trust in you. You don't have to tell everybody that you tithe 10% or 20% or 50%. It's a way for us to practically show to ourselves, maybe, that I trust in you, God. It's the same thing as when we belong to a local church. We want people to verbally say it, and we bring people up here so then they can be seen. It's a way for us to declare to those around us that, yes, I trust in you. This is where you put me. You put me in this family. Or when you retire, God, God, I trust you. I know that you will provide for me here, now, and forever. And um, I don't want to go too much in terms about giving to the local church because that's where God has put us. So some people may disagree with that, but that's a minor topic. Uh, offerings. Another topic for giving is offerings. Uh, offerings means giving to a specific cause or uh, a purpose. For example, um, we were talking about someone from uh, Paradise, California. Like if there's a disaster set up for wildfire or hurricane disaster or what have you. So that's what offering means is when you write out a check, above and beyond tithes, you write a check out to say specifically for what the money is going to. Uh, arms is to help those uh, in temporary, temporary need of, of orphans, 
or the poor neighbors. So this is, actually, this is on the Bible. I think I have verses up here, so I'm not making this up. Uh, alms is those in temporary need in terms of orphans or the poor or the widows. Or, for example, someone just lost their parents or someone, the house just burned down. That's what a uh, temporary need. Uh, and also, another giving is apostolic, is when we go on uh, purpose of church planting, or when we go on mission trip, or when, when we go on ministry trip to um, other nations or other cities or other churches, or just an evangelistic purpose. Or, for example, when we invite people in, we want to use some of that money to honor them, just to say thank you for depositing, taking time out to pray, and, and bringing what God has spoken to them, to us at Restoration. So some of those, uh, those are like the four types of giving. But I know most people only know about tithes and offerings. Some people may not even know about offerings. But anyway, I just want to say that those are four types of givings for all of us to know. Um, I, I, I want to just say quickly on the practical tip. is For me, I usually just do an automatic deposit if it helps you guys. Because when it's taking money out directly from my paycheck before I even see it, I don't really have to work it up and think about all the things I have to pay for. Just trusting God, this is what you're giving me, and this is what I'm going to live by. You will always know what I need, and you will always provide for me. I will always have enough. So we don't have to work the math out. It's like, well, I have this bill to pay. I have that bill to pay. It comes to trusting God for who he is. And just a practical tip for you guys. And, and, uh, and also, you know, some of the things from the standpoint of offerings and givings, uh, offerings and alms and, and what have you. The way for us to know that is to build relationship with others. Because if we just show up and leave and not build relationship, we don't know what other people need or the things that they've gone through. But when we build relationship, we realize, oh, so-and-so house just burned down. Try to hear from God and maybe give to that uh, under the category of arms, so to speak. Uh, so anyway, I just want to encourage you guys to, to study more on that and understand the concept of giving. It's not about you giving money to a person so they can use that money for whatever they want. If we understand God's grace and receive it, God is giving us so much. And finance is just one of the many things that he gives us is one of the many things that we can respond by saying, I trust in you, God. I trust in you, that you will give me so much more. That what you give me is, is sufficient. So um, I have like three pages here still. How am I going to get through this? No? Okay. All right, we're going to try to end this. So as we grow in the grace, uh, grow in the knowledge of God's grace, we're able to receive the grace of God, as some of us struggle with receiving. I can tell you that. I struggle with receiving. I grew up on my own. I struggle with receiving because I was very independent, right? What I've made is mine. Hands off. Don't touch it. And I don't need any charity help from anybody. I think most of us have that mentality. A few will always take. But in general, most of us have a mentality of it's very difficult to receive. So as we grow in our understanding, our revelation of God's grace, we can receive God's grace. Receive what he has for us, knowing that it is from God. Not a charity from someone else, but it is from God that is providing for us through Jesus. And then we can also give to others. Give freely. Give generously because God gave everything. It's always come back to understanding God's grace and understanding who we are in God and what he gave to us. Right? And then it will, as giving is just a small topic, but as we understand God's grace and who he is and who we are in him, we will be able to make major life decisions according to our faith in God, knowing who he is, where he's taking us, right? Going back to through him, by grace and calling. He, through Jesus, we receive grace and our calling. So we can make decisions. We can live for something so much bigger than ourselves. As I said, you know, in for us, as people, I can be really honest, we have a naturally to be selfish, self-sufficient, self-preservation. But when we receive God's grace, we live for something so much bigger than ourselves. Live for the, the purpose that God has designed and created for us to be. Live for some, 
someone who gave everything for us, live for Jesus, right? He had everything. God just, if he would just speak it, it would happen, which is what happened, right? In Genesis 1, God spoke it, and it happened. When he just breathed life into dry bones, people came alive. He doesn't need anything, but he gave everything so we can have eternal life. So keep thinking from that perspective when it comes to giving, tithes and offerings. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. I want to re- remind us again. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Because we talk about maturity in Jesus. We talk about be able to worship, be able to read the Bible, be able to pray, be able to hear from God. But giving, see that we also excel in the grace of giving also. A quick comment on tithing of 10%. Uh, I have had people ask me in the past, not recently, whether you need to tithe 10% before tax or after tax. I mean, using a practical example, when you apply for a job, you usually tell people, well, what are you going to pay me after tax? Or what are you going to pay me before tax? Right? You just kind of agree on, on another amount and then kind of go off 10% of that. Right? So just want to give you guys a practical example. Uh, 10% of what we get paid, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. So keep that in mind. Um, It's up to you to decide whether you want to tie before tax or after tax, but just keep that in mind when you're negotiating how much you get paid and uh, what's 10% of that. So I would say, um, I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm all over the place, but I have so much to, sh- to share with you guys, and I'm trying to decide what to say and what not to say. Uh, but most importantly, just know this, because God is an incredible God. He doesn't put a condition on us. He even tells us, right, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. So whatever you've decided in your heart to give, so 10% is just a guideline. There are some people who need to know the guideline, right? You need to buy the book. So that's just a guideline. But in your heart, decide on what you want to give. And then when we understand God's grace and his love and his favor and his mercy on us, 10% is really nothing, if I can say that. Think of it as a response of gratitude. Gratitude for what he gave us. He gave us eternal life salvation. For me, as an example, I'm the first in my family through all the generations to be saved. Now, there's a change in direction for all my kids that come after me. They're going to have a completely new direction of where they're going to go. The incredible benefits that they will get of being in the presence of God is unexplainable. So for me, 10% is chump change, if I can use that term. Less than chump change. Was that, was that offensive? I don't even know what's politically correct or not. So, so anyway, uh, so that's how we show our gratitude, just as we show our gratitude in singing to him when we gather, uh, to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. That's what I felt this morning as we worshiping God. It's just, just a greater revelation, at least for me, of God's goodness over my life, over our lives. That's why I couldn't help saying thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's how we show our gratitude is in, in how we live, how we sing, how we pray. We show our gratitude in when we're dedicating our children here in front of the church to our friends and our family. Just say, God, thank you for my children. I'm going to raise them and help them know you more so they can walk into more of what you have called them to do. We, we show our gratitude by serving those who have put around us. Right? We talked about serving earlier. We show our gratitude of his provision through giving. We've been talking about that the whole morning. So this is to say thank you, God. So understanding God's grace for us, God's grace for all mankind, not just us, even for those who don't know Jesus right now, will help us to be able to say, I want to follow you. Thank you for making me your sons and daughters. Everything that I am is yours. My heart is yours. My family is yours. I say that because I'm just shepherding them. They belong to God. 
God loves them so much more than I can possibly love them. So I'm just shepherding them. My family is yours. My life is yours. Because you had already purchased it on the cross. Right? My job is yours. I'm serving you, Jesus. I'm not serving my human bosses. They're just human people, uh, authority that God has put in my life. But my life is dedicated to Jesus. Our lives are dedicated to Jesus. So then in turn, my money and my possessions are yours. Because everything is yours, Jesus. I'm just managing, just like a money manager. You guys know that term? I'm just managing the money that God has given me. I'm managing the resources which belong to God because he can take it all away any second. And he can just double and triple and quadruple it any second. I'm just managing the resource. When we, if we think from that standpoint, as we allow his grace to flow into us and through us, it will give us a completely new perspective of how we live, how we worship, how we manage our resources, how we give and about our money. Everything that I have is yours. It's from Psalm 24, verse 1. I come back to this verse often to remind myself of how insignificant that I am. Sometimes, you know, hopefully just like all of us, I get a little big head. Well, firstly, Vanessa would remind me right away. But secondly, it's from Psalm uh, 24, verse 1. Said, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. The world and all we live in it. Everything belongs to God. He has control over everything. So keep that in mind. Understanding God's grace. So anyway, um, I feel that we're running really long. I, oh, yeah, we, we are going really long. So let's, uh, let's just uh, end this and pray. And I just want to say, understanding God's grace. Giving is no longer about money or I'm giving money to you or how you're going to handle my money or how you're going to manage my money. It's about God's grace, what he has given to us. So can I pray? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for you. Just thank you for who you are. Thank you that we, as your people, can gather this morning to worship you, to praise you, to be in your presence, to hear from you, to experience more of who you are, just to have a greater revelation of who you are, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Just thank you for salvation. Just thank you for the people here. Just thank you for my families. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for restoration. And just thank you for the people that you are adding. And just thank you for the salvation that we will have a chance to, to share with, with them about how mighty and incredible that you are. We are trusting for even more salvation, God. I know I'm preaching on giving, but I just want to pray for more salvation. Lord. Money means nothing compared to eternal life. We just pray for more salvation. Use us. Allow us to impact people. Help share the gospel. Be a part in advancing your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Share of your goodness and your love for all people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.